Good morning. I'm Amanda Maxson, and welcome to Love Chapel Hill, where our name is our mission, to love the town of Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. We are so thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. Hi, Love Chapel Hill. It's Brooke with Connections, and I am personally inviting you to come to our new watch party on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you are like me and have been wanting to see people at the varsity every Sunday, but you can't, then this is a way for us to meet together and watch the sermon together, talk with each other, get to really have that time of community on Sunday mornings. So if you would love to do that, please join us 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we will be watching the service together via Zoom. I hope to see you all there. Hi, Love Chapel Hill. We're excited to be with you this morning. We're the Davises. My name is Natalie. My name is Riley, and we have a couple announcements to share. And so the first is our website, lovechapelhill.com. So if you go on the website, You'll be able to find a few different ways to stay connected with the church, with the folks who go to the church through uh, Bible studies, through small groups, through prayer groups, and even opportunities for your kids. And also, if you are new or if you'd like to connect with the leadership of the church, you can fill out um, a connect card. So you can find those in the link in the Facebook description or in the YouTube description beneath the video. Um, and there are opportunities for you to indicate if you would like to serve, if you would like to be part of a group, or if you have any questions about the church, um, again, or would like to be connected to leadership. So enjoy the service this morning. Every song we could ever sing 
every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Hey, Love Chapel Hill. It is Thanksgiving week, and I just want to start off today by saying how grateful we are for you uh, as a church family. Uh, we all recognize that uh, this time of year is a time where we recognize the end of the year coming. We begin to reflect on the year that is behind us, and uh, this has been uh, a difficult year for everyone in so many different ways. And I just want to thank you for um, being such a solid church family 
in the midst of all of that. I'm deeply grateful for you. Uh, I'm deeply grateful for the way that you have responded um, to this once in a lifetime convergence of events and the way that you have showed yourself to be uh, people who truly do live out that name and live out that mission of loving each other and loving this community with the heart of Jesus. We have seen the heart of Jesus in you. And so I wanna keep encouraging you in that, um, that we are not done yet. And I just wanna encourage you to continue to do what you have been doing. Um, continue to wear your masks, uh, continue to love your neighbor with wisdom and with courage. Um, continue to make the tough decisions with other people in mind, putting them ahead even of yourself. Um, and so continue to do that. I know you will because that is who you are. Uh, I also want to challenge you to make sure that you're staying connected with each other through this time. Uh, a few very simple ways that you can keep doing that is uh, not just watching these videos, but engaging with them with each other. Uh, our friend Brooke has started a, um, a watch party every Sunday morning. And so she's hosting that and would love for you to engage with that and be a part of that on Sunday mornings uh, or start your own. Uh, other small groups are in conversations about starting these micro churches and, and letting their small groups serve as these opportunities uh, to, to engage with the sermon together and the whole worship service together. Uh, so get creative with how you do that and continue to build that community with each other. Uh, also, Tuesday night Bible study uh, through Zoom, great way to stay engaged and rooted in the word with each other and encouraging and, challenge, and challenging each other. Uh, Wednesday morning prayer through Zoom as well, another great way to stay rooted and connected. And uh, then I also wanna challenge you to look into, if you're not in a band, a discipleship band yet, or a small group, uh, then the new year would be a great time uh, to start fresh in that way. So start thinking about that and start praying through that. So again, thank you for who you are. And I wanna encourage you to hold fast and uh, stay rooted, stay connected, uh, and let's continue to be who we are, living out that name and that mission together. All right, this morning uh, we're gonna keep moving in uh, the series that we have been in. And today we close out this series of Kingdom Tide. We've spent this whole fall season uh, rooted in the Old Testament prophets, uh, challenged by what they have to say about what the kingdom of God looks like and what the reality of that culture of the kingdom looks like breaking in on the world here and now. Uh, the reality of justice and righteousness together, uh, that rolling river of justice that Amos saw, and that righteousness like a swelling stream running together to form this current of the kingdom. And uh, so today we are wrapping that up and we're going to be actually in the New Testament uh, with John the Baptist, who is considered to be the last of the prophets uh, in that old order of the prophets. And so he's not technically the last prophet. Uh, we do absolutely affirm uh, the gift of prophecy and that role of the prophet still existing within the church uh, in the sense that a prophet is a person who is rooted in the word of God and then who proclaims that word to an individual or to a group of people. 
uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, sensing the Holy Spirit, uh, challenging them to proclaim the word of God to another person. And so that gift is absolutely uh, still empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is alive. It is in operation in the church. And we want to continue to unleash that and encourage that uh, in our own congregation as well. So if you are sensing the Lord putting the weight of his word on your heart for another person or even for the whole congregation, then I want to challenge you to have the courage to risk speaking that out loud and sharing that. And you will be amazed uh, when you have the courage to obey how the Holy Spirit can use you in the life of another person. And so that gift of the prophet is still, it's alive in the New Testament. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the letters of Paul. We see it operating in the church here and now. Uh, But this Old Testament role and office of the prophet comes to a close here with John the Baptist as that role of the prophet has been pointing ahead, not just pointing out the failures uh, to the people, but always pointing ahead uh, to what right relationship with God looks like and the ultimate fulfillment of that takes place in the person of Jesus. And so that gift of prophecy alive operating in the church today, John the Baptist is, is the last of that old order of the prophets. And so as we look at him today, there are three things that we're going to look at. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter three uh, and and Luke's telling of uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. And the first thing that you're going to notice uh, is what we've just been saying, that he is a bridge builder, okay? That John the Baptist is a bridge builder. So let's dive into uh, Luke chapter three. We're going to start um, in verse two here. Here's what it says. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So the first thing that we see there is uh, that John the Baptist is this, this bridge builder from the Old Testament order of the prophets uh, into the New Testament to introduce the ministry of Jesus. And already just in that small section of verses we just read, you can hear the echoes of the Old Testament prophets culminating in this ministry of John the Baptist. There are so many echoes that are that are there. Uh, obviously, Isaiah, since uh, Luke is quoting Isaiah to talk about the ministry of John the Baptist and other gospel writers do the same thing, uh, especially that that statement about a voice in the wilderness and in the desert calling out, prepare the way of the Lord. And this was the role of John the Baptist. It also echoes uh, Isaiah 35 that talks about making this way in the wilderness and that the wilderness and the desert becoming a garden place, becoming this renewed place with the arrival of the Messiah. Uh, another echo that is that is happening uh, in John the Baptist's ministry is to the prophet Elijah. And this is really significant uh, for one, it tells us in the Gospels that when John comes onto the scene, uh, he is this desert wilderness 
prophet. And there's a connection there to the ministry of Elijah. And in the minds of the Jewish people, when they hear that, they're going to hear that connection back to Elijah and the significant things that happened in the wilderness and the desert with him. Uh, Another really important piece and really clear piece is uh, the way that John chose to dress. Uh, that John uh, wore this uh, this uh, shirt, this coat uh, made out of animal skin and with this leather belt around his waist that he ate wild honey and locusts, it says. And that is a direct echo back to Elijah as well. So he is physically uh, and, and visibly embodying this ministry of Elijah and taking on this mantle of the prophet Elijah. Why is that significant? Because the Jewish people believed, and it's right there in Malachi chapter four, the prophet Malachi, the last of the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, the close of the Old Testament, the next to last sentence, the next to last verse of the Old Testament has Malachi saying uh, that when the Messiah comes, before the Messiah will be uh, another prophet in that spirit of Elijah the return of Elijah paving the way for the arrival of the Messiah. So by John embodying that, he's making that connection. This was so ingrained in the memory of the people that even today in current Passover meals, uh, the people of Israel still, uh, and Jewish people, our our Jewish brothers and sisters, will still uh, leave an empty seat at the table reserved for Elijah. And there's a moment in the Passover feast uh, where where they will get up and go and check at the door to see if Elijah has come. Oftentimes uh, the kids will participate in that and it's a fun moment for the kids to run to the door, to open the door and to look and to see if Elijah has come yet. Why? Because they're waiting for Elijah to come because they know that will be the sign that the Messiah is on his heels, that the Messiah is on his way. And so when Elijah shows up, when John the Baptist shows up like that, physically, visibly embodying the ministry of Elijah, it was meant to spark that memory and to make that statement. Jesus even says to his disciples, when they ask him, they say, teacher, we know that you're the Messiah, but we thought that before the Messiah comes, Elijah is supposed to come. And he says, for those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts to believe, I'm telling you the truth, John the Baptist is that Elijah. Now, that's not a sense of reincarnation or or anything like that, but it's that same anointing from the Holy Spirit and that same mission uh, that John the Baptist is operating in, that direct connection to that role of Elijah. And he's fulfilling that prophecy and that role in paving the way and preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. So you see this bridge building that is happening, this connection between the Old Testament into the New Testament uh, in the ministry of John the Baptist. It's, it's all over the place. It's, it's uh, when Daniel and Daniel chapter 7 envisions the coming of the kingdom, John the Baptist is announcing that that is here. Uh, it is here and now. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, Jonah, in that ministry of repentance, where Jonah goes into the city of Nineveh and calls them to repent. These are the words of John the Baptist, repent and believe. Uh, It's in Habakkuk, um, 
Jen, our friend Jen did such an awesome job preaching on that and uh, those stirring words and that desire that you can hear in that prophet uh, Habakkuk. Do it again in our day. Renew your deeds in our day. And John the Baptist is saying God is doing that. He is fulfilling that. We can see that connection to the prophet Samuel, uh, who is a part of anointing King David and saying, this is the king, this is the one that God is raising up and that God is choosing. And John the Baptist is doing that and pointing to Jesus and saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one we've been waiting for, the Messiah and the King that we've been waiting for. We see Amos, that vision of Amos being fulfilled here in that river of justice and righteousness. And here we have John the Baptist in the Jordan River baptizing people in this ministry of repentance. Uh, Ezekiel, the river in Ezekiel chapter 47, where he sees this river that's flowing out from the temple and out where? out into the desert. And that's where John's ministry is taking place. It flows all the way even to the Dead Sea. And that river in Ezekiel 47, uh, the river of life, everywhere the river goes, life springs up even to the Dead Sea. It brings the Dead Sea back to life. And this is the area in the ministry uh, of John the Baptist is happening around the area of the, the desert in the Dead Sea where the Jordan meets up with the Dead Sea. And so we see the echoes of that. And he's saying the river of life is on its way. Get ready. The river of life is almost here. You can see the signs of it springing up everywhere. And then we get the fulfillment of Joshua and what happens in the ministry of Joshua. And uh, we know that Joshua is the successor to Moses God raises up Moses and uses him to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt and then into the wilderness for 40 years. But it's Joshua who finishes that job, who leads the people out of the wilderness and into the land that God promised them. How do they get into the land? What's their pathway for entering into that promised land? They have to cross over a river. What river? The Jordan River, where John the Baptist's ministry is taking place. And so Joshua leads the people out of the wilderness, out of the desert, across the Jordan River and into the promised land. Like God had opened up the Red Sea uh, for Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, God also opens up the Jordan River so that Joshua can lead the people into the promised land. It says that the river was at flood stage uh, and was overflowing, but God parted those waters and led them into the promise. And so that's what's happening here in this ministry of John the Baptist and all of this bridge building, this connection between the old and the new and him building that way. A major part of this and a major part of that symbolism of baptism as people came into the water and were baptized for repentance uh, through the ministry of John the Baptist, a major part of that is this echo back to that, uh, that ministry of Joshua and that Joshua moment. He's saying, come back to this place where we entered into the promise. Come into the Jordan again and let's start over. Let's start fresh. He says, we have gone so far astray. We have lost our way. 
So let's participate in this moment of renewal and recommit ourselves again to the covenant that God made with us. God never broke his covenant with us, but we have broken it with him. Let's enter into a moment of renewal. And that's what that ministry is about there at the Jordan River. So take a breath. That was a lot of stuff. <laughs> the connection there between the Old Testament and the New, but that's a major part of what John the Baptist came to do, to be this bridge builder, this last of the old order of the prophets making way for the new. Here's the second thing that we see. If number one is that John the Baptist is a bridge builder, then number two is that John the Baptist is a troublemaker. All right, we like good troublemakers. Uh, he's a troublemaker. And uh, so we see that in verses uh, seven through 14. Here's, here's, what it has, here's what it has to say. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. That's a troublemaker right there. What a statement he makes. In one of the other gospels, it specifies that this group of people that he's calling the brood of vipers is not just anyone. It's not just random people, but he's speaking specifically to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the religious elite, those who were the champions of obedience in that day and the guardians of the covenant. Um, but he's pointing to them and he's calling them out in that. So John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, the person with two coats should share with those who have none and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. I'm going to stop right there. All right. So here we see really clearly this, this piece of John being this troublemaker. He is not afraid. He is speaking out uh, with courage and with clarity to people from all different walks of life, to the Pharisees, the religious elite. He's calling them a brood of vipers and saying, you're fleeing from the wrath. You better start producing fruit because there's an ax already at the root of your tree, right? So powerful statement that he's making to them. Uh, tax collectors, these were a group of people that were seen as um, people who had betrayed their own people. Uh, these were Jewish people who were now working for the Roman Empire 
and uh, basically stealing, overcharging uh, their own people, getting rich off of the Roman Empire at the expense of their own people. They were, they were hated. And he confronts that sin and that injustice, and he calls them out on that. Soldiers, these would have been soldiers from the Roman Empire. Even soldiers from the Roman Empire are asking him, and what should we do? Uh, and so all the way across, he is calling people out and we see him willing to make as as uh, John Lewis the late John Lewis said good trouble right in the name of the kingdom the the what he has to say here this piece about if you have two coats then give one to the person who has none uh same if you have extra food give to those who don't have it does that not sound like it's taken straight out of Jesus and the sermon on the mount and so we see how he's already preparing the way and breaking the ground for the arrival of Jesus. He's willing to challenge us. I want to challenge you on that too, by the way. We've got Strangely Warmed coming up uh, where we're going to start collecting warm clothing for our friends uh, who are in need. Take this seriously. This is not just metaphor. All right. This is not just imagery. This is a direct command. This is serious. Take that seriously. And how can you act that out? and live that out. He goes on to tell us in the same passage, uh, he's not only willing to call out the Pharisees, not only willing to call out the tax collectors and the soldiers and anybody who comes past him, but he also is consistently calling out Herod, who was this government leader, basically set up as this quasi-king over the people, this representative of the Roman Empire uh, set up over the people. He was even willing to call out Herod. And what happened when he did that? He's calling Herod out because Herod uh, is now in a relationship with his own brother's wife. And he's saying, you can't do that. And Herod says, yeah, I can. I'm the one with all the power. I can do what I want. The system works for me. And John stands up as this uh, witness bearer of a different way. And he speaks the truth to power. And he says, no, you can't do that. And what happens to him because of that? He is arrested by Herod. He's thrown into jail. He's not only thrown into prison there, but eventually at one of Herod's extravagant dinner parties as a point of entertainment, John the Baptist ends up getting beheaded and his head is literally put on a platter. This is what happens to wilderness prophets when they have the courage to speak the truth to power. This is often what is waiting for the prophets who are willing to speak the truth. Are you willing to speak the truth to power even if it costs you? Thomas Merton is one of my spiritual heroes and he makes this statement about prophets. He says, a prophet is a person who is able to cut through the tangled knots of lies able to cut through the tangled knots of lies. And when I hold that up to the life of John the Baptist, I say, yes, that's what John the Baptist was doing. But there's also the harsh reality that a prophet who's willing to cut through the tangled knots of lies often ends up feeling the sharp end of the blade themselves. This is part of the cost of accepting that role of being willing to proclaim the truth of the kingdom allegiance to one king alone. The culture of the kingdom of justice and righteousness 
together. This is what it often costs us. I want to challenge you today. Um, if you are a person who relates to John the Baptist and you feel like you are carrying this burden and, and oftentimes you feel like people see you as a troublemaker because you simply won't be quiet about the burden of injustice that you feel and you're willing to speak out about it, your conscience is stirred, your heart is disturbed over it and you want to speak out on it. But you're discouraged today because it seems like nobody wants to listen and everybody else around you is so slow to move. I want to challenge you to keep being that kind of person whose conscience is stirred and won't rest until the others are stirred around you as well. I want to encourage you that it's really significant that God trusted you with that burden. It shows that God trusts you. He knows that your heart can be trusted with reflecting his own heart on that particular issue. And he's trusted you with that. And that is a beautiful and significant thing. And I want to honor that in you today. I also want to encourage you that he entrusted you with it. And maybe he didn't entrust the others around you with it in that same kind of way. So he's asking you to be the one who's preparing them. Don't get discouraged that they aren't catching up as quickly as you are, uh, that they aren't moving at the same pace as you are. That's not an excuse and that's not a, a sense of telling you to wait. I'm not telling you to wait, but I am telling you to prepare. And that was the role of John the Baptist. He was sent to prepare. And that word prepare means that other people aren't ready yet. And it's your role to get them ready. I'm not saying wait. I'm not saying slow down. But I'm saying take on that burden of preparing the other people around you. I find it really interesting that Jesus often talks in his ministry in this language of seeds and this language of harvest and this language of fruit, right? And what I see in John the Baptist, we don't see a lot of seeds. We don't see a lot of harvest. And we don't see a lot of him getting to experience the fruit. But do you know what he gets to do? He's the one who breaks the ground. He's the one who breaks the hard soil. And the seeds can't be planted. And the harvest won't come. And the fruit can't be tasted until somebody is willing to break the hard soil. Don't be discouraged. Keep pushing. Keep breaking the hard ground. People need you to do it. People are relying on you to do it. Prepare means that it happens before. Other people might not be ready. It's your job to get them ready because the time is coming and the time can't wait. It can't wait. So prepare. Here's the beauty of it. Being a troublemaker can also often be exhausting. But here's the powerful twist that happens in the story of John the Baptist. The troublemakers often get to become the trailblazers. And that's exactly what John the Baptist becomes. Back to chapter three again in uh, verse 21. Here's what it says. The culmination of the ministry of John the Baptist. When all of the people were being baptized, 
Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is so beautiful. We go from this person who is the bridge builder, uh, who becomes the troublemaker. In other words, he's willing to also burn down some bridges too when he needs to. And then he picks up those smoldering pieces of those burnt bridges and he uses that to blaze a new trail. Some of you are being called to be that kind of troublemaker, a troublemaker who becomes a trail blazer because you know that there is one kingdom and you have one kingdom locked in your sight and allegiance to one king alone. Now, I love this beautiful moment, the culmination of the ministry of John the Baptist. This was what it was all about for him. This is what the bridge was being built to, the reality of Jesus. This is why he was preparing the way for the arrival of Jesus, pointing to him. And there comes this moment in his ministry where the kingdom tied himself the very embodiment of Amos's vision of that rolling river of justice and that swelling stream of righteousness flowing together in the flesh and blood reality of the person of Jesus. Jesus, the living water. Jesus, the river of life from Ezekiel 47, wades into the Jordan River there next to John. And he says, baptize me too baptize me too. And there's this beautiful moment when the last prophet of the old order stands there waist deep in the water next to the firstborn of all creation, next to the pioneer of the new creation story. And as he takes him down under the water and he comes back up and breaks the surface of the water. The water of the Jordan is divided and opened up once again like it was in the Old Testament, and a new way is made. The sky itself splits open as we hear the voice of God speak out. The kingdom itself breaks in, and the way in the wilderness is made.
such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is broken i am forgiven the king of kings calls Chapel Hill. It's Alex Stroud. Um, I was asked and am honored to offer up our benediction for today's service and um, I had to take time to think about and pray what it is that's been on my heart lately and it didn't take much time but it did take time to figure out you know how exactly to pray about it and one of the things that has been on my heart in this this uh, extended season that I know has shifted for all of us is that we feel somewhat aimless as if we're wandering and I just think about the the children of Israel and how they were said to have wandered in the wilderness and 
tying that to the fact that the Lord delivered them from captivity in such miraculous ways and for them to not journey through the wilderness to the promised land, but wander in the wilderness made me really think about kind of the state that we're in right now and that we are in a lot of ways wandering. A lot of people are wandering. We thought that we knew how things worked and that's kind of been flipped on its head. But we as Christians, as individuals, uh, little Christs, um, and we as the church body still have a purpose and we still have a direction. And we are not to forget that. And if we forget that, oftentimes it leads to wandering. And so the prayer that I would like to pray is um, directly from Psalms 25. It's David's psalm of asking the Lord guidance. And um, I figured instead of me thinking of something to pray, it it's profoundly written here in um, one of our church fathers. And um, I just I thought that we would pray that together, the prayer of David in Psalms 25. Please bow your heads and truly think about his words as we also trust in the Lord as he did. Dear Father God, thank you for these words. Thank you for the ears that will hear them. And thank you for the revelation that it will bring as we journey through this life, not as aimless and lost people, but as your children in straight trajectory to their father. O oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me to your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Remember, O oh Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O oh Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him he teaches them his covenant, and my eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone in the deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how victory they hate me. Viciously they hate me. Protect me and rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, 
for I put my hope in you. O God, ransom us from all its troubles. Amen. Thank you.